if you want to achieve your dreams, figure out what your passion is, build a plan to achieve it, and make it your purpose on a daily basis. Take that plan, put it on your mirror in the bathroom, put it on your refrigerator and say, what am I doing today to get there? What are we talking about on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast? We're talking about business, specifically your business. Is it growing or are you stuck? How painful is that growth? Is it running you or are you running it? Are you working in your business or on your business? On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we explore these questions and much more. Expect a lively, spirited discussion about what it takes to grow your damn business. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. So happy to have those of you along for the ride that have chosen to join us here today, and happy to introduce my guest today, John Farrar. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Scott. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. I, I really believe that we grow when we help other people grow, and I hope that through the, our conversation today, we might be able to leave some people a tidbit that can help blow some wind in their sails. That is uh, that is always our goal here, to, to hear the stories of folks that have been there and done that and can share the goods, the bads, and the uglies of uh, growing a business. So, John, you've done this a, a couple of times here, and I, I'm sure there's a lot to share in the space. Uh, we're talking today from uh, Santa Monica, California, so welcome from the West Coast. Um, this, we're doing this on tape, so the date here is in the middle of August and the impending hurricane and is, you know, Armageddon coming to Los Angeles. That's all I can read about. Batting down the hatches, John, I hope it uh, is, a, is a smooth weekend for you. Thank you. Thank you. We're not used to hurricane. <laughs> no, no, that is a, it's an oddity there. So we're talking before it happens. So I hope everyone stays, uh, stayed safe through, through the weather. So Amen. John, let's talk a little bit about your journey. You know, you, you've been in the CRM space for quite some time, you know, building out systems for, for companies to support their clients and really, uh, improve their sales. So, um, why don't you take me through kind of what was the, the beginnings of that? And then we'll talk about your journeys in building really two different companies along the way. Um, and I, if I didn't mention it, John is the CEO and founder of Nimble, which is his latest venture in the entrepreneurial space and a, a CRM organization. Well, but John, I'll let you kind of take it from there and give us a little background. Well, Scott, I think my journey starts in my roots growing up on my father's automobile dealership. He was the number one Lincoln Mercury guy in the 50s and had the first Subaru dealership in the, in the West Coast in the 70s. And watching my dad build relationships and, and sell cars and run a business uh, both inspired me and uh, and uh, scared me because <laughs> I just didn't like the idea of sales. It just okay. seemed slimy, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and I just, I, um, I really aspired to be an astronaut. I watched the space program in the 60s. My uncle helped invent radar and microwave at MIT in the 40s. And I wanted to be a, uh, a technologist, a, an yeah, astronaut. Awesome. And uh, I bought a computer in 1978 and got a degree in computer science. But I put my way through school working in a computer land store. And it was there that I really saw how businesses were selling technologies, businesses were adopting and buying technologies, and the software that was required to really drive that, uh, that growth. And one of the big things I saw was that networkable software really was going to be key because networks were just starting. But as I graduated, I didn't want to be in sales. So I got a job at Hughes Space and Communications as a systems engineer. Okay. And after two years there, I said, you know what? I'm not an aerospace guy. Got a job at a startup. They put me in sales. 
And back in 1987, 88, there weren't any sales tools. Yeah. The sales tools that we used were day timers and uh, spreadsheets and uh, post-it notes. Index and cards. Uh, that's your tickler file. It was a box of index cards. That's like, you know, yeah, when I did yeah, my first yeah, sales yeah. jobs, it was like, okay, let me flip you. Who am I going to call this week, right? That I was didn't the thing. want to get too deep into it, but a <laughs> six by nine index card methodology was the evolution of the Rolodex. That's and right. essentially what you do is you, when you have a new contact, you open up a, a blank card, you put in uh, their their details, you log, you put in a note and you have a next action and you have a recall date, the date you're gonna follow up with them and you file it in that deck. And that really was the roots of, um, of really CRM back in the sort of the paper-based time. Yeah. But what I wanted was a, was a relationship manager because there was no idea of CRM. We we're still helping to automate the individual, but I saw there was a need to automate the team yeah. because people don't work in a vacuum. They work as part of a larger team and everybody in the team uh, is touching the customer simultaneously, not just salespeople. So I wanted a contact platform that integrated the contacts I was connecting to, the conversations I was having, the activities I was driving, plus some simple sales and market automation. I couldn't find it. So at, um, at 29 years old, I started Goldmine. And uh, yeah. we started the company on $5,000, never took a dime of venture. And the way we were able to grow it out of our apartment without any advertising was we identified the influencer of our prospect. And that was the person that sold them the network. The Novell network back in the day was okay. the main small business network. Microsoft didn't have a network operating system. And so we, we contacted uh, all those Novell resellers and got them to use it because people sell what they know and they know what they use. They started to recommend it and resell it. That's how we got to our first $100,000 a month in revenue. And then Microsoft came in and they ate Novell. Microsoft doesn't innovate, they iterate. They wait for somebody <laughs> else to build the market. Yeah. They built something good enough, they use their muscle, billions of users and hundreds of thousands of ours. And they basically ate Novell. At the same time, our customers were growing from the five to 25 to the 50 to 500. And they wanted a more robust database than DBase, uh, a more robust email transport than POP. And, um, and a more um, secure network operating system than Novell. So Microsoft came out with NT Server, SQL Server, and Exchange Server. They wanted to sell it. So we built Goldmine to require yeah. SQL Server, NT Server, and Exchange Server. And we drove the sales of Microsoft's crown jewel. And they pushed the crap out of us. And we grew to north of $100 million a year, a year in revenue. And at 40 years old, I sold it and then retired. Yeah. <laughs> retired to do, do something else. Let me go. Let me just go back, back a minute there. First off, I'm going to date, date myself and go back to you. But the innovation for me was that there was a two copy index card. So I could keep one in my keeper file and the other one goes in the tickler file. So I knew when to call a prospect back. So I was able to separate those two folks listening may not even understand that, but that's, that was my innovation. I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. I can actually have the data in two spots, not just one. And I didn't rely on it. So that, that's what, you know, that's how I started, started my sales career. So you glossed over a little bit, but I want to give you the, the credit for it and hear a little bit about that growth. So uh, put the money into it, have this idea, which obviously became so, some something that we're all just to become accustomed to, but but at the time was was very unique. Where, where did that come from? Was it iteration in your own mind? Did it kind of, kind of hit you? Just give me a little bit, bit of that light bulb saying, okay, there's a need here, but to to go out and really fill the need that that that's something more than oh we just did it right. There was something yeah. else going on there. Just tell us a little yeah. bit more about that. Well, I think the best products come from your own mind because you're passionate about it and you understand the problem. 
and I was experiencing the problem. So okay. I was I was in a district field office for a startup in Boston. There are 15 offices. In each office, there's five to 10 people. And we're all doing pre and post sales um, engagement combined with the people at corporate from product and marketing and executives and shipping. All of us were collaborating together. Yeah. And I ran my stuff on a daytimer. Basically, I'd, I'd get leads, which really weren't leads. They were fun of them as IT people at big corporations. Okay. I put notes on that piece of paper, my appointments in my daytimer, my forecast in a spreadsheet. And because I had a computer science background and I worked in a computer store and I knew every software program on the market, I knew there wasn't a program that really did what I wanted to do, which was not just automate my contacts and my sales process, but to build a system that enabled the team across the whole country to collaborate together on those contacts. So that was my vision. Okay. And uh, I just so happened to have a, uh, a co-founder, a friend of mine who was brilliant uh, in, uh, in, in, in a lot of things. And I got him uh, a D-Base manual when he first graduated school and he learned how to use it. it. And I okay. talked to him, I basically designed the original screens and how they'd interact and, and he coded it. He could code it. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting to. It's like, do so, you have that coding so background? Had, so <laughs> even though I had a computer science background, I think my strength was in product vision yeah. and sales and marketing. And that's where I lead and he leaned into the programming. So he coded it, I used it to actually go build the customer and the dealer base. And, uh, and then little by little, what I would do is after I signed up enough dealers, I'd hire somebody to come in and manage them. And I slowly grew this sales team yeah. that was able to scale those partners and eventually the leads we'd get from new customers. And then the partner started asking us for leads and I didn't know how to advertise. So what I did was I, I figured out where do small business people learn and grow? They, they learn and grow from the publications they read. PC Magazine, uh, Entrepreneur Entrepreneur Magazine, uh, et cetera. And so I started to contact those editors and I said, how can I help you write more stories? They said, tell us stories about how uh, how businesses grow with technology. So I started telling them how people are using Goldmine to grow with technology. Now you got to remember, there was no term CRM, contact yeah, didn't exist, right? or, or yeah. market automation. Yeah. Outlook didn't exist. Right, right. We were Outlook. Yeah. And so, so... When you get other people to tell your stories, then it starts to multiply. And we, we got more awards and more print than anybody else combined. And so using Gorilla PR and a channel that is the trusted advisor, the prospect started to accelerate with each other. And then what we did is we uh, began to experiment with radio and airline advertisement to supplement that. Because in order to build trust with the prospect and the market, you have to touch them from multiple angles. So what happened was... The reseller was recommending it. The publications were recommending it. Eventually, their peers were recommending it. And then Microsoft and Novell were recommending it. And then QuickBooks was recommending it. And then we got into the store, so it was on the shelf. And and eventually, all that sort of combined together to build that sort of momentum right. where we became the market leader. And it's really hard to compete against that. Yeah, no, and... and Bringing something so new, right? You had, you had that niche, kind of owning that space, as, as it were, right? To, to, to really get those, it was just something that di didn't exist before, creating something out of, yeah. you know. We it, it, were Outlook and Salesforce before, before either existed. Yeah, yeah. But in addition, people don't know, we were also HubSpot or Marketo before any of those existed because 
I got inspired by this guy named Jim Cecil. He was called Dr. Nurture, and he used to tell me about nurture processes and stuff. And he, and he was like the Warren Buffett of marketing. Yeah. But there was no software that did his dream, which was this nurture drip stuff, because he said it takes, you know, seven touches before somebody's in a buying cycle. You know, the basic sort of sure. acumen. Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't do it because it takes too much work to actually follow up and follow through. So I built this thing called automated processes, which was if this and that for people and companies. So if you put a name in Goldmine and it looks like this, Goldmine would do that day one, this other thing, day seven. If this happened, a sale, stop that and do a it cycle track. And so Nimble Goldmine had web lead capture uh, automated marketing, drip marketing, and data synchronization across uh, district offices and field notebooks. So you basically have the ability to really do sales, marketing, uh, and really customer service. Because if you think about it, Goldmine was for the whole company. And so it's not just the salespeople that touch them, it's all the rest of the people around it. And I think that's what made us really unique. And I think that's what's missing in CRM today. Salesforce is mainly for salespeople. Pipedrive is a sales CRM. Very few of them are relationship CRMs. And if you think about the main contact manager that we all use, which is a combination of Google, Microsoft 365, and Apple, email contact and calendar are separate things. They're not really linked well. So you can't bring up a record and get the context and history you want. But more importantly, every single contact database in Microsoft and Google is separate for every team member. So you don't have a relationship system of record in your business. Every single business has silos of contacts in sales, marketing, customer service, and accounting. And that's one of the problems with businesses today is they don't have a singular record. And if you call up American Express, they're going to know who you are, who you talked to last, and anything pending. And that's what every business needs today is a team relationship management, not a manager, not just a sales CRM. You know, it's it's so funny you went there because I was going to ask that question and you you almost answered along the way, but but it's almost as if in the, and I'm a novice here, so you can correct yeah. me on my terminology, but it's almost in the right, we started with everything together and then, you know, companies took that and then specialized so that you had all these silos and, and now the fight is to how to get these systems yeah. to speak to one another once again, right? And get them back all together. We, we had this, we're together. Oh, let's spread it out. Let's, uh, we'll create two or three competitors in each one of these verticals in the space. And then, oh, now I'm in a company and you're right. We're not talking to one another. How do we integrate? I'm, I, I, you know, working in large organizations over my career, a lot of the conversation, how do we get system A to speak to system B so that yeah. X happens? And, and it know, just doesn't happen, right? It's, it's not, people aren't the sharpest sticks in the shed. <laughs> and you want to make things really simple for yeah. them. And today, if you want to automate a sales process at a business, typically what you're going to buy is you're going to buy some type of marketing automation system, yeah. which you, you don't want to give your sales reps access to that because that's what the marketing people use for capturing leads and doing the nurture marketing till they're lead qualified. Then you give the lead to the sales rep. Okay, CRM, Salesforce. Yep. But you know what? You can't engage lead without intelligence. So you got to buy Zoom Info or LinkedIn Sales Navigator, $100 per rep per month. Then you have to engage with them, which means you need to give them a rifle. So if Zoom Info is the map, the rifle is the, the gun. So what's that? That's a sales loft or outreach IO, which is templated email tracking. You know what? When you add up all the costs for all the tools that you need to use to arm a sales rep today, 
it's going to be north of $300 a month. These things yeah. don't talk to each other and you got to hire an admin to run it all. It's, 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 it's really, it's an amazing phenomenon that with all this technology at disposal, how much harder it's become to actually utilize yeah. the, the stuff and know where to go or cause then it becomes a frustration and a, you know, I was in sales for a while and, and, and doing that. It's like, well, I'll just manually input it. It's just as just as easy, just as fast as we do that than try to figure out how to get that interface, or how to make that connection. Or not the, use it. Right. Or yeah, there's it, 225 just million global businesses, less than 1% use any CRM. Most yes. people's CRM is spreadsheets or the email inbox. Yep. And the biggest causes of failure of CRM is lack of use or bad data. Uh, Even if they type data in, it decays like rotten fish. And I believe that more people would use a CRM if it automatically built your contact records and kept them up to date and then worked with you where you engage. Because if you have to go to the CRM to update it, you won't do it. And so imagine if your CRM automatically built records from the productivity tools that you're already using, your email and whatever tools you're right. marketing, and then lives where you engage. We all live in our inbox and now inside of LinkedIn and other social places, or other business apps. So Nimble has a plugin to your browser where it'll automatically build records from emails or LinkedIn and then work wherever you engage. Because if you're gonna engage with somebody, you need context and insights in order for you to be able to engage properly. Context is who are they, what are the business about? Insights is the history of interactions and who did it, what's gonna happen, who's gonna do it. Yeah. And then you need to follow up and follow through. And that's where we all fail. Log in a note on the conversation and schedule a next task. Because if you don't have a next action with somebody that's important to you, they must not be that important. Exactly. It's a, it's not going to be there. Hey, just want to go back to going. And then I think we should pivot over to Nimble because I, I think what you're doing now with Nimble is, is kind of get, getting back to that roots of making these connections happen in one spot as you just uh, gave us a little taste of. You mentioned you had someone that really was a great complimentary figure, your co-founder on, on Goldmine and, and what he brought to the table and, and how it complimented what you, what you did. Just talk a little bit about making sure that you bring in those right people to help in your journey along the way. And what were some of the filters that you used? You know, as, as you and I talked about beforehand, when we talk about EOS and the entrepreneur operating system, and we spend a lot of time making sure that companies are really thinking about, do I have the right people doing the work and are they are sitting in the right spot? Do they have the right skill sets? Are they in the right seat? within this organization that I'm creating. And we, we use actually the term accountability chart to describe that because we want people on the hook for what they're supposed to be on the hook for. And yeah. it sounds like you did that and as you grew up, but my guess is you had some wins and you may have had a few losses along the way. So just tell me a little bit about people and delegation early on in the, in the goldmine trajectory. Well, I really believe in a higher power, Scott. I really believe that, uh, that the universe is there to help you if you trust it and, and give it your prayers and are present enough to hear when the when the door is knocked on and brave enough to open the door and go through it. And so um, I think you need to constantly looking at your bench of what you need and, and be sensing of the people around you. And I really believe that they just happen. They just really do happen if you're building the right connections and in the right rivers. So um, my co-founder of Goldmine, Elon, we both took uh, Calc 1, 2, and 3, differential equations, linear algebra, and numerical analysis together in college. And we were the two smartest guys in the class. And um, and so when it came time to choosing a co-founder, I wanted to choose somebody that was super smart, super strong, and that I trusted. Because if you, if you look at the things that the Navy SEALs use to judge people, Trust is like one of the biggest yep. ones that you have. And, and then ability. 
And so um, that's how I chose my co-founder of Goldmine. And then as we began to scale, um, I picked a CFO as because, you know, entrepreneurs are really good at something. And Absolutely. I think they should be doing those things that they're really good at and they love to do yep. and hire better, smarter, faster people to do the things that maybe they don't do as well or aren't as interested in. Get your unique ability, right? Get your unique yeah. abilities and make sure you're yeah. spending your time there. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a conundrum for a lot of founders and owners and one of the reasons why those businesses don't advance at, at, yeah. at the speed that, that the founder would like because it is a, the delegation is a little bit letting go and it is realizing I'm really good and like this. And even if I can do that other stuff, I don't like doing it and someone else can do it. And may, right. You got to find those, those right folks along the way. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but you're, you're so spot on there. So spot on. I'm going to talk about three people that were key in the growth of Goldmine. Yeah. Uh, early on, as I said, we began this sort of guerrilla PR path and, um, uh, I did some early engagement with the press but I found that it really you benefit as a small business to find somebody that already has connections with those press people. And I'm a big believer in hiring internal PR, not using external uh, people on retainer. So I stole somebody from a technology company in the San Fernando Valley that had existing relationships with PC Magazine, Entrepreneur, uh, the Entrepreneur yep. Magazine, blah, blah, blah. And uh, essentially said, we want to be PC Magazine editor's choice next year. And uh, can we do that? And she said, yeah. And she did it. And uh, and for the next 10 years, just rocked our PR. Uh, that was Brenda Christensen. Then as we began to scale, I knew that we needed uh, finance and operations in order to really fully scale. Process is key to growing a business. Sure. And uh, and I'm a math computer science major and uh, an innovator. And I, I'm, I like to get out front and lead I need somebody behind me to build. If I'm Lewis and Clark, I need somebody behind me to build the forts in the Somebody's city. Somebody's got to get the stuff done. We'd like to say, right? You got to have that that guy or gal that's going to be the get the stuff done person. So there was uh, a CFO, COO from a local technology startup called Clipper. They were DBase compiler, and um, Rob Clark. Uh, I brought on board, and he was with us through the whole ride at, at Goldmine. Yeah. And then as sales started to grow, I needed to let go of that because I wanted to focus just on the guerrilla PR storytelling, because that's what I loved and I was good at. And I wanted somebody that really had built the sales organization before. And uh, Competitor Act had this guy named Tracy Kinsey, and he was uh, one of their lead sales guys. And uh, I recruited him and he built my inside and outside or scaled my in my inside and built my outside field sales organization. And these people were all critical. Not that there weren't other amazing critical yeah. people, but these people just sort of stand out because if you don't have good um, storytelling, if you don't have good operations and finance, if you don't have good sales processes, you're not going to grow at the trajectory that really maximizes your opportunity as a business person. Speaking my language, it's a, one of one of our key components when we talk to companies about using U.S. You got to have that, right? When you got to know, we, we talk about six components. You hit on a couple of them right there, but people process two two of the six, and and so critical for that, right? Because you've got to do the things you do really well over and over again the right way. That's the only way to scale, and you got to yeah. know those things backwards and, and forwards. Um, I, I think to your credit, you knew exactly where you were in terms of the things you were really good at and that you like to do, and were able to go out and really define those things that you needed to get done and then found the right people to go in there. Right. And, and it, talking about just 
Let me just know what I need to go after first rather than try to build a job around an individual. And, and I think that's another mistake that, uh, that happens too often is that, oh, I like this person, but then they actually can't do the work that's needed to move the business forward. And, and I'm, I'm hearing you went the other way. I need this. Who's the best at that? Or who do I know that can do that for us? And that, that, that really was, you know, that real catalyst to, to moving you forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't afraid to hire liberal art majors, hairdressers, people that weren't necessarily skilled in business and technology, but that had, they were good human beings and had great souls and were great cultural fits and were bright and intelligent and wanted to learn and grow and uh, brought them on board and taught them what they needed as the frontline people that touched and engaged with our constituency. And I say constituency because most businesses are only focused on the prospects and customers, but it really takes a, a, a garden of people around you and your business to help it grow. And to do that, you need to humanize your business and build these relationships and connections where you're top of mind with people yeah. and they're really focused on helping your business grow. Well, at the end of the day, that that's what where you have to spend all your time on or a majority of your time on it. So we can talk about process. But if the, if you're not with those right individuals around there that are sitting in those right seats are the right people for your mm-hmm. culture, right? That that stand out in the business that you're trying to build. It's it's not going anywhere, right? It is going to be the thing that holds you that's back. A combination of stars like these leaders and then people who like if you think about the the uh, a wagon wheel, you know, you got the wagon wheel that's, that's, uh, that's sort of that strong metal thing outside. And then you got all the spokes and yeah. and everybody plays a role, you know, we got, yeah. you got all types of people in a business, but I think the number one thing is you want to hire people that have good hearts, good cultural fit, and they want to learn and grow. Yeah. It's awesome. I have another question for you about that, but I'm going to just sidestep here just for a second. Cause you said something and it made me smile when you said it. You, you were talking about your, you, you excelled in calculus with your co-founder and going through, and it just recently, um, I'm, in, I'm in the process of, uh, of closing out my, my parents' estate and, and going through all the stuff in their house. And I went back through, my father had kept, oh, so many years ago, all of my grade reports from high school. Who knew he had these things? But I'm, I found it, <laughs> doing yeah. this, going through there. And I found the feedback from my pre-calculus teacher in high school and knew then that that was not my unique ability. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> it was, so what do you need to be I, my degree is in Bachelor of Arts. I, I was a government major uh, at William and Mary, and knew that was why I, I, I enjoyed writing. I, I loved history. I uh, loved that, 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 but I knew it. You went to a great liberal arts school, yeah, and and you got a a, a good foundation of being able to do research and communicate, yeah. And that I think that's why I primarily lean on hiring liberal arts majors. Yeah. Uh, because of that exact reason. And I like to hire from the Midwest. Just yeah. say that. That's it. Well, calculus was my kryptonite where it's your superpower. So we, we've got yeah. that complimentary piece right in there. Uh, one question about you as you're, as you're building the business, so you guys are laser focused and trying to solve this problem. Always curious to see, were there any distractions along the way? Oftentimes when we are talking to, to founders, occasionally a client says, well, you do this, but can you also do something else? And, and were you ever tempted to expand your offering, and it was it was not the right choice. Where, where you chase something that wasn't really core to what you're what you're really trying to accomplish when, when you set out. Did that ever occur? Because um, I know that can be a, really a quicksand if if you're not mindful of of when those types of things can happen. And it's typically client driven. They ask you to do something. Yeah. 
Yeah, we are really good at saying no. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, and I was really close to the partner channel, the customer channel, and the technology editors, and I really got a good sense of what was needed. And we we were customer led in a lot of the ideas and our own combined with that. But we tried to do things that really resonated that we felt went across the entire customer base, or at least yeah. enough of it, especially where we wanted to go. So if you think of us starting at a tool for solopreneurs and small teams of, uh, say, two to five, five to 10, as we grew, we got more demand from bigger customers. And then we pivoted both the customer demand and the partner demand where Microsoft wanted to sell small business server, NT server, SQL server, and exchange server. And we built that. Then we were more suitable for these big businesses. And we got 50 of the Fortune 500 uh, or more, uh, all the large banks, all the large uh, uh, technology companies, and even some sports teams. Uh, it was fun. And yeah. uh, the White House. So Bill Clinton used Goldmine to get elected twice, and it was the White House database. So if you think that? about these people yeah. in a room on these in these cities where they're trying to get out the vote and call yeah. people and get donations, we were the perfect tool for that. And uh, you know, I'm kind of proud of that. that That's that, cool. Yeah. That, well, it's uh, a sales process, right? We talk, talk about yeah. that. You got to go. It's well, absolutely it's more than a sales process. <laughs> yeah. It's a relationship management. Oh, fair. Okay, fair. Because yeah. because a lot of the relationships that you build are not dollar related. A lot of the people you connect to, Scott are not dollar related. Absolutely. They're, and they're people in that guard and that help get you the dollar related people yeah. you want. But if you if I asked you what percentage of your relationships are dollar related versus just pay it forward relationship related, I'll bet that the the relationship related people are much greater than the dollar related people. Oh, I would say it's a, a vast majority. I mean, I was actually, as you're yeah. thinking that question, I'm going through, I would say it's single digits, 10% of the time you're, you're yeah. just, you're talking folks to grow that sphere of influence, yeah. but it's not, yeah. a, it's, you're not, there's not an ask there. There's not a, there's not a no. need there. It is a no. connection to, for the future. And that's why I feel like the sales serums like Salesforce and Pipedrive and others, even HubSpot, they fail at company relationship platforms. And yeah. I think that's what the market needs is a relationship platform more than just the sales platform. Because if you think about a company, less than 5% of a company is sales, typically, in headcount. Yeah. What do the rest of the people do for managing relationships? Yeah, supporting. They're, they're, they're supporting the, the clients that are out there and they're supporting internal work. And as we mentioned, talking about supporting Well, they're doing PR, yeah. they're doing yeah. investors, they're, they're doing biz dev, they're doing a lot yeah. of product. All the stuff in support of, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so we've got to talk about Nimble. Uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I want to make sure we, we, we talk about that. That's what you're doing today, wearing a shirt today to, to represent. Uh, so retired at 40, but didn't retire at 40, really. You couldn't help yourself, right? So went, went back to it. So Nimble's been around now for, I, I think it's been, what, 10? Yeah, I was looking, yeah 10, years. 10 years, right? So let's just talk about, okay, so you, you've, obviously we've talked about the need that's there, but let's just talk about the genesis, the idea for, for jumping back into the space when you yeah. started Nimble. So I was blessed to be a father, uh, present father, husband, and member of my community for 10 years. And in most, most, most guys don't get to do that until they retire. And I really am grateful for those moments that I was able to do that. It really helped grow my, my heart and my soul. But as my kids all got into school, I had time. Yeah. And so after remodeling my old Spanish home here in Santa Monica, it sort of got my 
product brain back in tune. You know what I mean? Like yeah, having to yeah. deal with all the nuances of all the detail of what you see around me here. And so I started to do social media about that same time in, in 2006, 7, 8. And I immediately saw how social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn was going to change the way we work, play, buy, and sell. And I started to look for a relationship manager that enabled me to take those connections I was making, those soft connections in social, and bring them into a relationship manager so I could then segment and, and focus on the right people and nurture and engage those people to drive the results I wanted out of my life. And I couldn't find it. And then I started looking at uh, contact management and CRM and saw it was broken because contact management, Outlook, and Google Contacts just didn't really do what Goldmine did as a team relationship manager, let alone an individual relationship manager, because email, contact, and calendar weren't linked, let alone social. Yeah. And then CRMs weren't about relationships, they're about command and control. The reason they call it Salesforce is you have to force salespeople to use it. Nobody <laughs> in their right mind would use CRM if they weren't beat on to use it, because right. it doesn't work for you, you work for it, and you gotta yeah. go to it to use it. And so I imagine a, a next generation of CRM for social CRM and social selling, that will automatically build records from the places and people you're engaging with in your email, in your social. And we all have contacts distributed around our companies. Every business has email productivity. They have at least a marketing thing. So let's say you have Google, Google or Microsoft and MailChimp and QuickBooks. So you got those silos. And so I built a system that will automatically unify your contacts from wherever they are. I got LinkedIn to give me the public and private APIs for their entire system that nobody ever got before or since. And I integrated to Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Crunchbase, AngelList, et cetera. And I built a social CRM and pioneered social selling. And it was, it was, you know, you got to think about this. I was out of the technology business for 10 years. Nobody really knew who John Ferrara was. They kind of yeah. remember Goldmine. So I had to rebuild my brand and build the Nimble brand. But the lucky thing is I kind of knew how to do that. Because if you can identify the influence of your prospect and build a relationship with them, then they'll become your storytellers and help you scale. But in that time, resellers weren't really selling cloud software. They were still on-prem. They yeah, were still yeah. stuck in their, in their back ways. And really, the customers were in the find, try, buy ecosystem where they were finding and trying this cloud thing. So it was sort of new. And so rather than going after the reseller channel, I went after the the influencers, the trusted advisors of those prospects that help them learn and grow in the areas of promise of Nimble, which is social sales and marketing. So I started to use the social channels to identify those influencers by going into the channels where people learn and grow, pound sales, pound marketing, pound social, whatever categories, rooms. And I looked for people that were sharing content that was inspirational and educational to me, people that vibrated with me, because I okay. know who feels right because I've been in this industry so long and I quickly identified those people and I started to share their content, attributing their name, uh, hashtag in the category. And then they would then reach out and say, thank you. And then I'd reach out back to them and say, Hey, Scott, I really love your grow your damn business content. I'd love to connect to learn more about you. And then we had a conversation like this and I did my homework before talking to them. And then I just asked a few questions and then I just shut up and listened. Right. And if you listen to somebody for 30 minutes, they're going to fall in love with you because we all want to be seen, heard, wanted and loved. And you will learn about that person and find ways to add value. And at the end of the conversation, I would suggest an introduction or give them some feedback on their business. And then they'd ask me about me. 
and I tell them about my journey and I tell them what I'm trying to build and I'd ask for their help and their feedback. They would adopt Nimble and start using it. They became our storytellers and that's how we essentially grew it out of uh, a garage, so to speak, right. into a global business where we're getting you know north of 100,000 units per month without any advertising and grew to over 100,000 subscribers in a matter of, of months and uh, and put Nimble on the map. Well, it's, it, it, it just speaks to a little bit we talked about earlier about bringing that together, but we're all faced with this. Anyone that's out there tr- trying to build a business, you know, where do I spend the time? So, okay, I like LinkedIn better than Instagram, but I know I need to be in both spots, but that's a whole different set of contacts that I have to, all right, my LinkedIn contacts don't get to my Instagram contacts and don't bring her to Facebook. I actually have to do that work yeah. to, to do, right? I have to build that base in each one of those three unique silos as you described, yeah, right? I have it's, a formula for that and yeah. it's really simple. So if you think about it, LinkedIn is more of a business connection. It's right. like going into my business lobby. It's like us meeting in my office, right? Yep. Whereas Instagram and Facebook is like us going out to dinner or to a ball game or you come into my house for dinner or something like that, where you're really connecting on what I call the five F's of life, family, friend, food, fun and fellowship. And that's where the deeper connections that you build that will be life lasting. And so, Scott, you have people that you've had business connections with. You exchange a business card. You might have a business meeting, but there's no relationship there. Right. Yep, there's fair. no yep. relationship because they're not that important to you. But the people that are important to you, you build a connection with. And the people that really resonate in those connections, they become your lifelong associates, friends. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that if you're listening to this today and a little confused with social, here's the formula. What you want to do to stand out from the crowd is build an identity in all the places where your constituencies uh, learn and grow. And I say constituencies because it's not just prospects and customers, it's their influence as well. So let's say that there are certain places, hashtags in Twitter and uh, and places in LinkedIn and uh, and maybe other rooms. You build an identity, you create a great avatar that people can see your eyes and your face really clearly, and you begin to share content, give your knowledge away. If you teach people to fish, they'll figure out yourself fishing poles. So you basically give your knowledge away on a daily basis to establish yourself as a trusted advisor. And if you can't create new content because you're just not a writer, go and curate content from people that resonate with you, which will do two things. It will share content to nurture and drip your knowledge or knowledge that establish yourself as a trusted advisor where people want to pick up the phone and call you when they need your products and services, but also build your relationships with other thought leaders so that you become one of the thought leaders as well. And uh, and that's my formula for building your brand and your network because that is your net worth. But yeah. if you do what I just said, you're going to have so many connections, you won't be able to manage them. So you should have a personal CRM. You should have a golden Rolodex. And that's what Nimble is. Even if your business gives you something like Salesforce or HubSpot or whatever you're using at work. And so Nimble is a perfect relationship manager that will automatically link to anything that you're using and allow you to have that sort of personal CRM that you can take these soft connections that you might make in LinkedIn and then build these long-term relationships where you can then interact with them on Facebook and Instagram because you don't just want every single business person that you've ever connected with in your Facebook and Instagram, because that doesn't feel right. Yeah, but yeah. you do want the people there that resonate with you, that you have long-term relationships with, because it helps to bind those relationships 
on the softer side of life, those five Fs of um, connections. And that, 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 that is well said, and it really helped uh, a little bit for those of us that struggle in this space, myself included, uh, to, to make sure that you're, you're doing it with, in, with intention, but, but also really thinking about the right places to be and interact. And I, I think really, really said that very well. Do you find that a lot of the users are nimble? Are those solopreneurs? Are those really small businesses where they've just got a few folks that they're employing and it's you know, two, three, four people in, in an organization? Yeah, that's or, how we started. That's how you started, yeah. Like yeah. Goldmine started, now we're beginning to be in the in the five to 25 seats, okay. yeah. but it's not just small businesses because big business behave like small businesses in work groups. So we have work groups of people at places like Adobe and Microsoft and uh, other places like that, where uh, a team of people are working together to build relationships to achieve a common purpose. John, I think it's a great note for us to, to wrap up on, at least on the business side of the conversation. I really appreciate all you shared, and I, and I do believe we did meet our objective that we laid out earlier. Is that uh, a few takeaways there for folks that take the time to listen and, uh, and, and enjoyed really hearing your perspective on things and, and all the success that you've achieved. Um, as promised, I wanted to get to our five fast questions so we can learn a little bit more about you on that personal level. So first and foremost, do you have a favorite sports team or athlete? Dodgers. Dodgers. Uh, right now, Mookie Betts. You can't help but love him. But, you know, Freeman's a, a, a close second. Uh, that's a one-two punch uh, in baseball. Yeah. It's hard to beat. I, I'm jealous that I'm a Red Sox fan. And so losing Mookie was, uh, was, was a blow for sure. And I'm not sure the Sox have recovered Fenway, from that loss. Fenway yeah. is a church to baseball. It is, that, that it is. That it is. Um, John, what would you eat if it was the last meal that you'd ever eat? Oh, gosh. It would probably be some fish-related thing, um, uh, simple grilled trout or salmon uh, with um, with a, a nice rice uh, dish with some character onions and and raisins and things, and uh, and and some nice grilled broccolini uh, with that, and uh, and maybe a glass of sancerre. I love it. I love the specificity. Love it, love it, love it. Um, you may have already been there, but maybe you haven't. Do you have a dream vacation spot that's on the bucket list or uh, a must return? You know, my bucket place was Bora Bora, the Tahitian Islands. Yeah. And I got to do that uh, uh, over a decade ago. And uh, I do recommend uh, the Tahitian Islands. You know, Hawaii, I really love, especially Kauai. I think yeah. it's one of the most magical islands and, and prayers to the people in Maui today. Yeah. Uh, but I just feel like Tahiti is more childlike. Uh, it has it gets less traffic than Hawaii does. And I think the Hawaiians, after all the traffic of the uh, Americans and Japanese, they just get a little tired of just the tourists, you know. Yeah. Um, but besides that, something in the future, I'd have to say Japan, Korea. Okay. Uh, uh, I really believe that the Japanese culture is so unique in the world, and uh, I really admired it and read books on it. In fact, I studied Japanese in college. Uh, I, I look forward to going there. Well, you hit mine, which is Bora Bora as well. So we have that in common to, to make that happen. I have not been there yet. On the list, right? right? On, on the well, list. We got recommendations. <laughs> yeah. You can go to Bora Bora and stay in one of those places in the atolls and stuff. But uh, I recommend doing that, but also getting on some type of sailboat, ideally a chartered boat that not like one of those big boats, you know, right. the cruise ships, 
uh, charter a catamaran and sail between the islands and do it during the time of the year where they have the music festivals because each village competes with these singing oh, wow. groups that they have. They sing the the then they do the traditional dances. And as your boat comes in, the villages are having their music festivals. Oh my God, it was like really? That's... It was just chilling magic. Yeah, not 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 this place. I get it. My, my my wife's not a big boat person, so that would be a challenge for me. We see, I, I, there's still a chance. You know, I, I don't give up hope on yeah, it. Yeah, okay. That's, that's, so that's not her you thing. could do the Windfarer wind one, which is not as big as a cruise ship. It's only right. 300 people rather than 3,000, and it wouldn't really feel like a boat. It's more like a ship. Okay, <laughs> uh, John, do you have a favorite movie or TV show, either a rewatchable that that you, you go back to time again, or Perhaps it's something that you're watching now that's really, really got your attention. You know, I just watched Goodwill Hunting and um, gosh. Classic. That, Classic. It's, it's a few it's, Boston it's, themes over there. You're a West Coast guy. I like the Boston themes there. You know, well, I used to work for a startup in yeah, Westboro. Sure. So yeah, 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 I, I spent a lot of time in Boston and yeah. I'm Irish, Sicilian. Yeah. So my yeah. Irish ancestors lived in and came through Boston. Sure. Uh, so I have relatives that, you know, lived in Boston, Manchester, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Space, that's my home. New England's my, my home way back when. Um, all right, last thing here that we always like to get. Do you have a favorite, quote, piece of advice, something that you like to share, uh, something for our audience, just that one one final takeaway that you'd like to share with them? Well, I'm a big believer in the three Ps of life, um, passion, plan, and purpose. If you want to achieve your dreams, figure out what your passion is, build a plan to achieve it and make it your purpose on a daily basis. Take that plan, put it on your mirror in the bathroom, put it on your refrigerator and say, what am I doing today to get there? And if you set a goal that's like way out there and you basically put one foot in front of each other every day, you can't help but to succeed in life. You may not get to exactly where you aimed to get to, but you're definitely going to uh, have a trajectory of, of growth and um, and then the final thing is this. When I sold Goldmine a year after that, I got a head tumor and almost died. And in the process of healing, which I did some the Western path that, you know, and I also did an Eastern path. Yep. I did some spiritual work and I came to the conclusion that I'm on this planet to grow my soul in the brief period of time that I'm here. And that the best way to grow my soul is by helping other people grow theirs. And so um, in your process of figuring out what your passion, plan, and purpose is in life, think about what your ultimate goal is. Is it to accumulate so much shit that you're weighed down like Marley's ghost chains? You know, it's like yep, all the yep. shit you got in your life. Or is your purpose in life is here to serve others, to help other people grow? And I really believe that service is the new sales. And if you go into every relationship thinking not what can I get from this person, but what can I give to them? Even if it's at the checkout stand where instead of sitting at the checkout stand like this, you put your phone down and you actually connect with that person for a second and give them a gift, even if it's your attention, your eyes or your smile. Yeah. Little help first goes a long way, and uh, you can 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 get that help first. Be of that servant uh, mentality. It's going to go a long way. Really well Amen. said. And uh, thank you for all that you shared today, John. This has been an absolute pleasure of mine to have you join us here. We went long, and it was well worth every uh, every moment. So I really appreciate that, John. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you and 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 l learn from you? What's the best place to find you? Well, Google my name, J O N F E R R A R A and pick up a spot that feels good for you. But after you do that, Google yourself. 
Do you show up on the first page? If you don't, make that change because before people meet with you, they're going to Google you and you, sure. you want to show up. Yeah. And here's a tip on how to show up better. Build a Wikipedia page on yourself and your business. It's free and it's easy. Just follow the rules or else they'll take it down. And then when people Google you, they'll see you on that page. Fantastic. Just one more thing to take away from this conversation. John, it's been my pleasure to have you join us here on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. Thank you for sharing all that you did. I wish you nothing but the best. And I know that our, our connection here will continue. So thank you so much for your time today. And I hope you have just a tremendous weekend. Thank you, Scott. I really appreciate the opportunity to connect with you and your audience. Okay. All the best. The Grow Your Damn Business podcast is hosted by Scott Goodrich, a professional EOS implementer. To learn more about EOS and how it might help grow your damn business, you can email Scott at scott.goodrich at eosworldwide.com or check out his website at www.eosworldwide.com forward slash Scott Goodrich. Thank you for listening to the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. We will see you next week on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast.